Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. That's right, folks. We are back. Another episode of Garage Door Sports this week. Joined through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone are my two great co-hosts, Kyle Vardy and Irfan Manji. Kyle, how are you doing today? Doing good. Uh, haven't slept, but I'm honestly not that tired. So it's uh, I'm doing, good. I'm doing good. It's a weird feeling. Haven't slept, but I am not that tired. 100%. 100%. <laughs> and Irfan, how are you doing, man? I'm good. I think Kyle's on his adrenaline rush right now. So give him like another hour and then he'll say, okay, go to bed now. Yeah, as soon as the show's over, he'll be crashing out yeah. for a little bit. Yep. <laughs> Prep for a football. That's, that'll be his NFL wild card weekend prep nap. <laughs> well, we got a lot to talk about, boys. As I just mentioned, wild card weekend starts today. We'll look at those matchups quickly. We will also do a NHL season preview, but let's start off with our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region. If you were looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferrar brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. You can visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com and follow them on Instagram at CanadaKickingAcademy. And boys, let's start off with a sport that, I mean, at the beginning of January, I'm kind of surprised we're talking about it, but we need to talk about it. MLB. And there have been two teams that have taken control of the MLB offseason. And they're both in the National League. Let's start off, though, with the San Diego Padres, who in the last, what, two, three weeks, have gone out and acquired Blake Snell from the Tampa Bay Rays and then followed that up by acquiring Hugh Darvish from the Chicago Cubs, all to fill one pitching spot left by Mike Clevenger, who will not be playing this year due to Tommy John surgery. So now they have not only solidified their rotation, but increased their rotation substantially in those two weeks. And then, oh, yeah, they only go and pick up the hottest positional player coming from Japan in Ha Seong Kim. Not a bad offseason for the team in San Diego, and they might have just made themselves one of the favorites in the NL this year. Irfan, what do you think about what they've done out in the Padre land? They made smart moves in the sense that you need pitching, right? To get deep into any season, any postseason, you need pitching. And they picked up two perennial stars. Um, I think the writing was on the wall when it came to Blake Snell, considering what happened in last year's World Series and the thing with Kevin Cash and getting pulled early and something about just not really working out over there. Because I think 
Tampa Bay was a game away or two away from potentially winning a World Series, and then they move them. So I think that's a disappointment if you're a Tampa Bay fan, considering you finally make a push in almost 10 years, and you're sort of blowing it up again when I think realistically they could have been another push because they could have challenged the Yankees if they really wanted to. Um, so good on the the Padres for recognizing that Blake Snell was not in a good situation and picked them up because this this Padres team has a future that's so bright that the Dodgers better watch out, essentially, right? Then you go get you Darvish, who had a very good bounce back year last year. So now you have two very good top rotation arms. Essentially, they have like three or four aces now. Um, makes them very good. And, and then, you know what, you mentioned Kim, and I think that might be the biggest steal, in my opinion, because they got a player that can play in the middle infield. Um, and now you have a guy who could probably play at second base for you, even though he's listed as a shortstop. And now you have Machado, Tatis, and Kim in your middle infield or infield. Like, that's pretty, pretty good. Like, you're looking at a, a very dangerous Padres team, and I think they saw what they missed last year when they played the Dodgers. Um, and I think they filled the need very well. I think they're one one or two little pieces away, though, like maybe solidifying that bullpen for a middle reliever and then maybe getting an outfield bench player. And I, and I think this Padres team will be lights out next year. Yeah, I think you're right. And you mentioned it, like getting Snell was – I think getting Snell was a steal. I know they had to give up uh, Mejia, which is hard for a team to lose a, a prospect like that. But you get a legitimate number one starter – and then you go out and get another legitimate number one starter and you Darvish just to fill the hole of uh, Clevenger. Right, Kyle? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. The you Darvish deal was a steal. I, yeah. I that one was an actual doing, but I, I, I honestly, I don't understand what the Cubs are doing in that one. I really don't. Um, they're, they're trying to compete really, next year. With yeah, what? They didn't get any like bona fide stud prospects by any means. They got, wild cards or long shots mm-hmm. yeah. potential like top 30 and, but not top five which is what 100%. you want yeah. right. and if, especially someone who was literally the runner-up for the Cy Young last year yeah. like there's something wrong the fact that you can you get more for Blake Snell who was who has been the definition of up and down in the last three years um says something right you look at like the last three years Snell had 189 429 and then last year 324 so it's like figure shit out what pitcher are you um but then yeah, that's a very valid point <laughs> like in in, this, in the same point san diego or uh, tampa bay got a, a huge haul back they did like if, if luis patino can turn out he, he he looked good last year but if he can turn out to be the pitcher that everybody thought he was going to be that could be huge for tampa bay this coming year and two or three years down the road, if he, he keeps developing as he is. Um, Tampa Bay has always needed a catcher. That was probably their biggest Achilles heel last year with Zanino and basically yeah. being automatic out. Absolutely. Um, so if, if Mejia can be that catcher for them, that, that that's great for them. Definitely makes that team a lot better. Um, and then Blake Hunt, I believe, was uh, 2019. No, no, no. Uh, I'm thinking of the <laughs> – thinking of the uh, – Lindor trade, but Blake Hunt and Cole Wilcox are both solid prospects as well. Um, not tops by any means, but definitely solid. So uh, I, I think the Padres are definitely going. They're going for the. They're going for the Dodgers. Is what it is. They're, they're trying to dethrone the Dodgers now, and those two head to head are going to be a great matchup. 
Yeah, and I mean they're in the same division, so that says a lot. They're they're literally going after the Dodgers in the NL West to try to dethrone them. I mean, we can't we can't say that the Dodgers have gotten necessarily that much worse this year, so it's going to be entertaining for sure. And they are the World Series champs. We can't forget that. So this is this is going to be a fun matchup from start of the season all the way to the end. Let's look at the actual starting rotations, though. Does this make the Padres starting rotation one of, if not the best, in the NL? Like, you Darvish, Blake Snell, Denilson Lamette, Chris Paddock, and then Adrian Morion or Mackenzie Gore or Joey Lucchesi will be your fifth starter. That's solid one through five. Like, there is really not a weak spot in that rotation for teams to pick on. There's not many rotations that you can really say that about. Like you look at some of the other ones and we'll get to the Mets in a bit, but their, their rotation now after the, the uh, Lindor Carrasco trade is the Grom Carrasco, Stroman, David Pedersen, and then Noah Syndergaard, Steven Matson, Seth Lugo as the possible five hole rotation. That's a pretty good rotation too. Then you go to the Dodgers and they're Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw, Julio Urias, David Price, we don't really know what we're going to get from David Price just because he didn't play last year and he's getting a little bit older. But then you have Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin. Like, again, that's a very solid rotation. Where does this put the Padres in the NL when it comes to rotation, Kyle? Um, To be honest, I, th- I think they're kind of tied with the Mets right now, in my opinion. I think it's a 1A, 1B. Okay. Um, I think if Paddock can improve, then they're definitely a bona fide number one. I think it's the biggest problem. I think Paddock has to take a step forward. Um, and if he does, Paddock as a number four starter is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm worried about that five start spot. I'm not sure who's going to step up and be. I think right now, McKenzie, I think Mackenzie Gore will get the start at the, at the start of the season. Yeah. So to try to win. And, and, and it all depends on how he, he he's young, right? That's the biggest thing. Of course. So. Um, you are sheltering him in a number five spot, but that you're fine with that. You know, you're not just throwing him into a number three spot and say, Hey, good luck. Um, <laughs> Best of luck. <laughs> but I, I, and especially with the team around him, he, it's probably the best place for a, a pitcher to develop right now is on a team like that, who, you know, is going to score runs Yeah, and, and put it that way. I do like the Mets too, though. Um, especially if Syndergaard bounces back from, from surgery and comes back uh, ready to roll. Um, Stroman's been talking a lot of shit on, on Twitter and stuff like that. So I hope he has a great year, um, to back it up. And if he doesn't, he's going to get ripped on. Um, so Syndergaard, Stroman, uh, then you add obviously DeGrom being who he is. Right. So, and, and then we'll see about Carrasco. Carrasco had, had a good year last year and he's getting up there in age now though. I think he's like 34, 30, 33, 34, I think right now. So, um, see how he goes, but definitely both solid rotations. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that's that's true. Uh, Irfan, what are your thoughts on uh, where the Padres rotation lands them right now? Uh, definitely top five in the NL. I think we can't discount the Braves either. I think the Braves had a very good pitching rotation with the depth that they had last year without uh, you know, a couple of their starters. So I think if you're looking at the NL and even the entire MLB, you're looking at the Dodgers, the Padres, the Mets have a very good rotation. And then I, I'd put it in the Braves. I think, I think we have more teams this year that have focused on pitching. And I think that's 
different than the last couple of years when you know Boston went and picked up a slugger and JD Martinez or you had teams going out for like the big bats first but this year it's like let's focus on the pitching because you saw what happened with Urias coming out of the bullpen for the Dodgers and being lights out it's like that's the type of impact you need coming out of any sort of um, playoff or um, regular season so it's different this year to see how important uh, pitching is is going to be for sure let's flip over to the other team that's done you know a lot in the off season and that's the Mets. And after, I mean, they said they were going to do a lot. They told us this was going to happen. And then they went out and got Francisco Lindor. <laughs> uh, not, not really a small transaction there. Uh, hey, Kyle. No, not at all. And uh, to be honest, kind of looks like they didn't give up a whole lot at first glance, to be honest. So um, Andres Jimenez, should be good he had good stats in the minors but not like eye-popping by any means yeah um and then obviously Ahmed Rosario was pretty much like a top prospect the last three three years ago I think or something like that yep. when he actually came up and he's Josh actually Wolf, and he's played I, well as well since he came up 100%. And, and Josh Wolf uh second rounder in 2019 so definitely definitely good players but I think if there was, you know, when you throw in Carrasco there, I don't know if it was more of a money drop for that, but to me, I think you you could have got a better prospect. So, yeah, no, I, um, I agree. I was kind of surprised by that. But to be honest, good on the yeah. But to be honest, good on the Mets. They they had the money to spend. They took on the salary that Cleveland clearly did not want, and they. They got one of the best shortstops in the league and we'll see if they, they re-sign him. Cause apparently that's, that's the biggest key right now is uh, re-signing him or else it, it's a basically a waste of trade. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think what it does is it solidifies the Mets like fielding wise. Cause if you look across their, their infield now, they have Pete Alonso at first, Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor, and then either JD Davis or Luis Guillorme at, at third, which I mean, neither of them are really jumping off the page, but at the same time, they're defensively not terrible. So that that helps that oh, helps okay. the pitching. But apparently, they're going after Chris David or Chris Bryant too. So yeah, and that's that was I was going to get to that, but I'm saying like as of right now, like they're good across the infield. Their outfield is of Dominic Smith, Michael Conforto, and Brandon Nimmo is again pretty good. Now you're just looking for that one guy at third base to really step up, whether it be one of the guys that they already have, or as you mentioned, the rumored possible acquisition of Chris Bryant or fun. What would that do for the Mets if they can pull that deal off as well? Well, it kept Lindor past this year for sure. I mean, it'd be like, well, look at this. I got a perennial star who has a, a world series ring and the world series that he beat my team in the finals with. I got him on my right side there. I think, I, I think the Mets again, They've done well. They have the money, and they didn't give up much for any of the players that they picked up, which is, I think, if you're a general manager or you're a team and go, okay, you know what? I can live with that because Lindor's still young, and there's a fighting chance that we can re-sign him and throw money. I don't know. Probably take it. No. Um, but back to your question, I think Bryant um, would be such a huge upgrade for them in the, in that on that third base. And then I think if they can go out and get – I don't know if this will happen, but if they can get Chris Bryant, they might be able to swing something for George Springer. Which could happen, and then then you're looking at an outfield that can hit, uh, maybe not, uh, but but you're looking at I think 
a bat or two away from really, really scaring teams off. I mean, that pitching is going to scare teams off, but then you also want your, your batting order to scare a team off. And they're, they're a bat or two away. And Bryant would do that. Yeah, for sure. I think they, I think you're right with that. Uh, Kyle, what would, what would the Bryant signing or trade, I guess, uh, do for this team? Um, if it's the Chris Bryant from two or three years ago, then it makes them perennial contenders in the NL. If it's the Chris Bryant of last year, it doesn't do shit. Um, because to be honest, yeah. they up, they upgraded their catching. They they signed James McCann this off season. We'll see how he does. Brand new contract. They upgraded their bullpen uh, with Trevor May. Obviously, two year deal, fifteen million dollars. Um, and Patances, right? Strowman back. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming he's still there. Yeah, he's still there. Um, their their bullpen the is like actually looking at it now, Edwin Diaz, Trevor yeah. May, Miguel Castro, Dylan Batances, Juris Familia, and Brad Bach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a pretty yeah good bullpen. <laughs> Sorry, Kyle. That's the I thing. Their pitching is good, but no, you're fine. Um, so, yeah, to me, as Irfan said, I think they're missing the bat, and I think it's it's Springer that they're probably missing, but they don't have the money to spend right now, um, which is the problem. Like they well, have they the money to spend. Help. <laughs> they have the money. No, they've already stated that they don't want to go into luxury tax. So Fair. they have to shed salary in order to sign Springer. And apparently Springer now wants $175 million. So what I mean, happened to the 150? I don't know. Great. No, no. nobody's mad. Nobody's hit, nobody's hit it yet. Yet he still wants $175 million. So um Unless I'm not that's sure. another I year. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I think that I think the first and foremost, I think that they're going to try and work on a, an extension for Lindor. That's the biggest thing for yeah. the Mets, I think, is making sure that this trade is solidified and, and looks good on them. Yeah. Um, and then I think they take a look at the free agent market. And uh, apparently they were in on Liam Hendricks, too, potentially, about signing him. So you were talking about that scary bullpen. Could it be even scarier, too, if you add Liam Hendricks for there, too? Jeez, yeah, that would be that would be a lethal bullpen at that point if they yeah. add Liam you have your... Hendricks. You'll have yeah. your six, seven, and eight guys ready to go before your closer. You would have four, five, you, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Basically, you, you, but you would literally have four closers for four innings. Trevor May, four, former closer. Batances, former closer. Edwin Diaz, God knows if he's actually winning good or not this year. We don't know. And then Liam Hendricks. Also, Familia. Like, don't forget Familia. Yeah, familiar. yeah you have five. <laughs> like, yeah. You can so literally go fourth inning onwards. <laughs> <laughs> so you're butt. started today just get to four innings the rest of the bullpen will cover it yep <laughs> that's ridiculous that's a that's a little insane but i mean it is what it is um yeah this this team is going to be interesting this year uh i think we will get obviously to a full mlb preview but those two teams the padres and the mets will be fun to watch this year That'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you are looking for a year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. You can visit them at canadakickingacademy.com or follow them on Instagram at canadakickingacademy. We're going to take a quick break. After the break, we will kick off our NHL preview show right here on Garage Door Sports.
Good day, everybody. This is Ryan from 20 Minutes on Ice. Join me and my co-host, Nick McVicker, for opinions and analysis on the week that was in the hockey world. New episode available every Friday, wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. 20 Minutes on Ice, part of the Garage Door Sports Network. Welcome back, boys. It's finally here. We've lasted the entire offseason. We've made it to this point. And while the news the last couple of days hasn't been great, there is still going to be NHL this week. <laughs> we, can, we can finally say that. There will be NHL hockey this week. We've suffered through without it, but it's coming back. And we got to do a preview because, I mean, wh- why not, right? So let's get right into it. There are four divisions, four new divisions, I guess I should say because the teams are all mixed up now. We got the Scotia North Division, the Mass Mutual East Division, the Discover Central Division, and the Honda West Division. I want to get your opinion before we get into the actual preview. Are you guys okay with the sponsorship of the divisions for one year? Irfan, I'll I'll let you the fact that uh, the Central Division is called the Discover Division, considering all the teams are mech in that division... I guess it's fitting. Um, it also sounds like I told you guys off the air. Um, it sounds like um, I'm trying to buy insurance, and then the Honda division is where I go buy my car. So, <laughs> sure. I mean, hey, you need money. You need sponsorship. Go for it. But, like, uh, they could have been a little bit more creative. Like, you know, it's say that it's sponsored paid, right? by... It's whoever's paid. No, no, but I know what I mean. Like, just say, like, the division sponsored by Scotia, but then come up with a cool name, like the Campbell's division or something like that. And I would have been like, that's the way to go but now i just found like um, do i need insurance i don't need insurance but i feel like i need to buy some sort of insurance exactly. i'll you um i don't think it's a one-year thing to be honest hmm. uh, okay but they're saying it's a one-year thing if it is a one-year thing are you okay with it being a one-year thing yeah it, to be honest, it, it doesn't make a difference to the game of hockey it really doesn't no. it's just the nhl trying to get more money like <laughs> you barely even notice the sponsors anyways no um like if you're talking about the divisions division sponsors whatever the helmet sponsors, you don't even notice the difference. So you'll notice some of them when they're like really odd colors on the team's helmet, like a light blue on a red helmet. You'll notice that. Sure, but do you really care? Like, no. are you really looking at the helmet for that no. that NHL logo? No, no. I'm just saying, like, you'll notice so. those ones, but some of them you won't even notice. No, hundred percent. But um, I think it's, I think it's good. I think I think this is. This is the start of the NHL going to the European style jerseys with sponsors all over the goddamn jerseys. Yeah, like which, you're a Giants jersey. Which, yeah, which is like, I'm sorry to say, people, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's just inevitable when it actually happens. Mm-hmm. So, I was having this conversation with someone that they're like, oh, yeah, jersey sponsors are going to be uh, coming in soon. I'm like, no, no, no. That's the last thing that will happen. You do know they're going to sell off. They're going to sell off spots on the helmet which they've already done. They're going to sell off spots on the pants. That'll be the next one. Then they'll go socks. And then very last will be the jerseys. They will try to keep the jerseys in the NHL sacred for as long as humanly possible. And then they'll sell out and they will be covered in them. Yeah. You know, that's how it's going to go. I don't know if they'll do socks first. To be honest. I think they might actually do jerseys. Um, I just I think, think that those... they're. I just think they're going to try to keep the the jerseys for as long as possible without putting a sponsor on them because it's the NHL and they're going to try to keep the sanctity of the jersey 
to be honest, I don't, give a, I don't think they give a shit about the sanctity of the jersey. I think they're just in there. To I know they're it. gonna they're gonna pretend like they I, I like the they pretend on a lot of the, things, boys. The traditionalists, hundred percent, will say that. Yeah, the realistic thing oh, yeah. is they're there to make money, and if yeah, if there's another, crap. if there's no, they hundred percent, they don't they don't care. No, they like, don't, it, and that's fine. I get it. They're trying to make money. Yeah. Like, do it. And, and and they may start out small. They may start out with you know a sponsor here, a sponsor on the back, a sponsor on the shoulder, whatever it may be. Little little yeah. sponsor right here, <laughs> like like that kind of stuff. And then it'll be like, hey, it worked. People don't really care. All right, we're going full zebra mode or like full like cow. <laughs> the milk sponsors with the giant like cow Water. spots. It's like whatever it may be. <laughs> Got milk right yeah. across. Yeah, right across. And the jerseys, now the Leafs are now white and black with just cow jersey. It's like a, a tiny hint of blue. <laughs> yeah. The blue is on the helmet. And there's a, little, yeah. there's a little maple leaf just across the chest. <laughs> okay, I don't think we'll ever be at that point. But no, no. but that, that sounds like a more upgrade than their retro jerseys. Let's be real. Oh. Uh, yeah, don't start about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go to the divisions. <laughs> and now, <laughs> now that we've sidetracked well and far into the jersey logos, let's Yo. get into our NHL preview. We're going to start with the North Division boys, and because you know that's the mm-hmm. one where we're probably going to follow the most. And this could be a very, very fun division, if not the most entertaining division out of all four, because there's realistically like five maybe even six teams that will fight for the playoffs i think ottawa is still a year away from fighting for the playoffs they're gonna be better they're gonna they're gonna cause problems but i still think they're a year away from fighting for the playoffs but i could see the rest of the teams in this division actually fighting for the playoffs i don't really know where everyone's gonna fall i think in my opinion there's two teams at the top in toronto and edmonton now how far away are they from the rest of them I'm not really sure because I'm not really convinced of either of them being that good, but they're better than the rest of them. And then four teams fighting for the last two spots. Uh, Kyle, let's get your thoughts first here. Um, to be honest, I think Edmonton, Toronto are a step above every other team in the division is really what it is right now. Um, I think it, it they're they're in the they're tier one, and I think there's there's tier two, which. Um, to me is probably headlined. I hate to say it, but probably by Montreal. I think is who starts tier two. I would either say Montreal um, or Winnipeg. Yeah. That then Winnipeg's right behind him is my opinion. Um, I think Calgary's got to figure out is Markstrom actually going to be good is the biggest question. And um, their lines. Cause they, 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 they had trouble last year trying to figure out who was playing with who and who was going to be their yeah. best lines. They're, they're, they're in a, uh, a weird phase right now. Hundred percent, and and it's going to be interesting for them to see what goes on, how they bounce back. And Vancouver now they have no goaltender. They have Holpe, who has been rocky to say the least for the last two years. Two. Um, well, before regular that, season Holpe, regular season Holpe has been rocky for a couple years, a few years. Yeah. Playoff Holpe's been fine. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, and then. We'll see if, if he can't do it. Can Demko do it? That's the biggest question. You know, that there's, there's lots of question marks there. We'll see what goes on, um, in my opinion. And then uh, I do have Ottawa at the bottom. But honestly, I can see Ottawa potentially even passing Calgary if everything adds up. To, of course. Uh, 
you know, Matt Murray being there, see what happens with Stutzla, see what, see if he turns out to be uh, a stud in his first year, or if he has like a, a traditional rookie on a crap team here, we'll see yep. what happens. Um, <clears throat> but I, I definitely have Edmonton, Toronto at the top. Biggest question mark for me for Edmonton is goaltending. And then obviously biggest question mark for me for the Leafs is uh, is defense and how that new revamped defense is what they call it. Um, truly plays. We'll see what goes on with that. For sure. Um, I mean, you, you bring up the Ottawa team and Irfan, I'm going to let you jump in after, but they've, they've definitely got better adding Matt Murray. That's a huge ad. Your defense actually, it looks solid. I'm not going to say it's great, but it's a solid defense where you have Thomas Shabbat, Eric Goodbranson as your top pair, Mike Riley and Nikita Zaitsev is your second pair. That one's a little bit questionable. But then you have Eric Branstrom and Joshua Brown on your third pair. That's not the worst top six in the league. And they have some scoring up front. There's no doubt about that. You have Brady Kachuk, Evgeny Dadanoff, Tim Stutzel, Connor Brown, Nick Paul, uh, Drake Batherson, Colin White, Chris Tierney, another one that they have. They have some potential, but it's just to see how it all comes together. I think that's the biggest question for Ottawa. Uh, Irfan, what are your thoughts about that? Well, they went out and made good acquisitions. They made smart acquisitions, and I don't think I've ever said that about Ottawa in a really long time where they've made smart acquisitions. They've been fleeced on so many deals because they just need to get rid of what they have. But, you know, going out and picking up a goaltender that has the Stanley Cup is huge for a young team with Stanley Cup aspirations, especially when this team called it out, saying that in the next three to four years, question mark, we want to be a Stanley Cup contender or a winner. Um, going out and getting guys like Cedric Baquette and Derek Stepan is a good deal for them because they're a little bit older. They've played on a veteran team before that. They've played on winning teams before that. So I think that mentality for the Ottawa Senators is changing in the sense that they're bringing in players with experience mixed in with that wonderful youth that they've been, you know, talking about for years. So you're right. I think they're going to piss off some teams and they're going to piss off some very good teams in this division. And then, you know what, don't be surprised if they're a top four finisher because teams are going to underestimate them. And then, um, you know, we keep talking about Calgary being the team that might be the one on the down downslide. Um, Ottawa can go in and take their position for all we know. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Like, you know, like Winnipeg's defense isn't set in stone. We don't know what we're going to get out of that. Like how much is Connor Hellebuck really, really going to keep this team alive for a full 70-plus game season? And that's the biggest question there. Whereas Ottawa actually has the goaltender they can rely on. And that's different for for teams in that division right now. Um, the Leafs' biggest question mark, and I think you guys nailed it, is what we're going to get out of that defense. Like, I don't know what we're going to get. They got older with Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton, but that offense has never been a question. It's been can you guys keep the puck out of your net? Because how long is Freddie really going to be there for you, you know? Um, and then you have Edmonton on the top. So the way I see it, um, it's this division splits into two for me. You have Toronto, uh, Edmonton, and I'm going to toss Vancouver in there because I like their core. And then you have Montreal, Calgary, Ottawa, and Winnipeg. So I think that's the way I kind of see the tiering come up. So you're going to see teams fight for the top three with the whatever position they'll have. And then the, the next four will fight for that that the next spot or the next two spots, I think. Uh, just one. It's four four per division. Yeah, but I was just saying that, let's say, the, the top three in there, maybe, let's say, Vancouver drops out, then, you know, it opens it up. But, yeah, no, sorry. The math was on that on your side there. Yeah, so it's it, it will be interesting to see how that kind of all plays out because I think 
if you're looking at it, we all agree that Toronto and Edmonton should be at the top, right? Like that's, that's the biggest thing right now. I think it comes down to if they both get the goaltending that we kind of expect from them. Like I think Anderson's the better of the two goaltenders, obviously, but if, if Edmonton can get good goaltending, those two rosters are better than the rest of the rosters in the division. Agreed. And Edmonton has the best player in the division, probably the best two players in the division. And then the Leafs probably have the third best player in the division in Austin Matthews. They have arguably like the third, fourth, fifth best player. Yeah, the right. But they have like that's what I'm saying. Like the top five players in the division are on these two teams. So you would you expect them to do well and carry their teams. The additions of Joe Thornton, I think, and Wayne Simmons could be very interesting for that Leaf forward group because those are two guys that don't necessarily play the way the Leafs have played the last few years with tons of speed and just trying to outrace teams. Joe Thornton mm-hmm. is not going to outrace anybody. Wayne Simmons will definitely not be outracing anybody. They're going to be the big body by the front of the net who are either going to be the bumper, as they call it, mm-hmm. to get the puck down low and then bounce it out to the side to one of these guys. That's more Joe Thornton style. Or Wayne Simmons is just going to be there to tip stuff in front of the net. That's that's their play. That could add a whole wrinkle to this Leaf offense that we haven't seen before. Or how are going to get protection? JBR, I should say. Because that was They're going to get protection. They're going to get a lot of protection, especially when you look at guys pushing around Nylander and Math, uh, Marner last year, right? Like, so those two guys coming on the ice, you go, okay, maybe we can't mess with the the shorter, smaller, thinner guys on the team. So I think they they brought that edge to them, and I think that's super important for the Leafs. And we've been calling it for like the last three years is you guys need a little bit of edge, and I think they picked it up. Yeah, Kyle, you, you think the same yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah. Like biggest thing is they had to change their way of play. They just had to. Uh, it wasn't working, and especially in the playoffs, it just doesn't work. They have to get stronger. They have to get more defensive. They have to, to shut down teams compared to trying to beat teams 6-5. Yeah. So, and I, th- I think with the additions, that's exactly what they were going for. You know, Jumbo Joe, um, I would have loved him 5, 10 years ago, 100%. <laughs> um, w- does he fill a spot? Yes. I think with how the current lineup how Keith currently has the lineup, I think it could be a very interesting year. Um, Cause Joe is literally going to be that guy say, Hey, here you go. Shoot the puck. Have fun. And, and it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. And it looks like Simmons going to start on the fourth line, but potentially could work his way up the lineup. Um, but I Which think is what we kind of edge, expected so. when he was signed. Let's be honest. I, I, honestly, I thought he was going to be third line. I, I didn't think, I didn't think VC was going to make the team. In all honesty. I didn't, oh, I, I did. And then obviously then, now they have him in the second line. It's it's a little interesting. Yeah, I didn't I think, think he was going to be second gets... line. I knew he was going to make the team though. <clears throat> I think I mean, I think he eventually gets dropped off the team. To be honest, um, unless he he truly shows out, um, I would rather have a spot for Robertson than VC. But that's just my opinion. So that's fair. Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting. They also they currently have uh, Alexander Barabanov on the fourth line as well. Mm-hmm. At least cap friendly does. I don't know if that's. Like, we haven't seen a game yet, so we don't know who's actually going to play. But the, the fourth line right now of Barabanov, Spezza, and Simmons is the current fourth line on cap friendly. And, and that will be the fourth line. So then you have the top nine of Thornton, Matthews, Marner, VC, Tavares, Nylander, Makayev, Kerfoot, Hyman. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a pretty good lineup. Like, honestly, across the NHL, you're not going to find many with as much scoring depth as that. No, for sure. Yeah, but it's not the scoring depth. It's like the defense that we're 
super worried yeah, about. And adding, adding Brody was a good addition. So it will be, it'll be yeah. interesting to see how they, they go. Let's move on to the Mass Mutual East Division boys. And Irfan, your boys are in this one for sure. Yeah. And they're probably one of the favorites in this division right now, just because there's a lot of question marks in this division. I think they're for me at least, and I'm I'm gonna give my opinion on this, is that there's a top three in this division, a middle two or three, and then a bottom two. Mm-hmm. And I think I have Boston, Philly, and Washington in my top three. I have Pittsburgh and the two New York teams in my middle three. And then I have the Devils and the Sabres at the bottom. Those are not in order, by the way, of how I see them finishing. Those are just the, the, the categories. I actually have Philly winning the division in my head. Which I, I know a lot of people are going to question me, but I have Philly winning. Um, are fetched. Okay, you two agree with me, but everyone else won't agree with me. <laughs> I, I, honestly, Boston might struggle this year with no passion act for the first month and a half. Yeah, but – but, they have Rask, who is but probably they, the but best. they lost arguably top two of their defense, top two out of four. Yes, but okay, hold on. Chara is not the Chara that like we say Chara. We still think of Chara from four or five years ago. He's not. He hasn't. He was not that dominant last year. Yeah, no, but I'm, I'm not he's saying he's dominant. Minutes. Yeah, he's, he's eating. He's in a he's a minutes eater, and he still has that intimidation factor no matter what happens. Fair. He's still Chara, and they never replaced it. No, they didn't. No. They didn't replace either of him or Krug. But at the same time, you still have Rask coming back, playing with travel, which means he gets to go home and see his family. His mental game will probably be back to where it normally is. So he he should be fine. Yes, the first month oh. without Pasternak is going to be an issue. Right, Irfan? Well, yes and no, because I think uh, the way that they've built this team is to in- incorporate more young players this year, and I think that's why Krug and Chara were able to walk away. So the Boston team this year, the difference we're going to see is it won't be heavy. It's going to be fast, um, which is something I don't think I've been able to say for the last 10 years. It's like they've been they've always been heavy. I don't think they're heavy anymore. I think they're going to be about moving the puck a little bit more, especially um, without having Z there or, or Krug there and giving more of the puck to, let's say, John Moore, who can actually escape and move the puck. He's just not the guy that you think that jumps off the page or Jeremy Lazan, who can hit, and he's going to replace that. So uh, they've gone in... They've gotten faster, in my opinion, and I think that's important for Boston, and they've gotten younger, and that's also very important. Um, I think without Pasternak, we're going to miss scoring, but that means David Krejci is just not going to have another wing with him this time again, which is a common theme coming out of Boston because I think Craig Smith or Smith's going to pull up to play on the on the first line, or uh, Jack Stadinka is going to go up and play with Bergeron and Marchand this time just so they can split up a, a bit of the offense and distribute it. Um, yeah, so right, Krejci will right suffer. Now they which, have Studenica on the top line. Yeah. So like Krejci will suffer, but I mean that's just Krejci's line ever since he lost Lucic and Horton. So um, it's not going to be a huge drop off. I think they're going to get. I think the the big boys are going to cover the first month, but if after the first month they can't get it together, Boston will struggle. Yeah. Right now he has Jake DeBrusque and Andre Kasha on his line. Krejci, which, which is, is probably the best, the, the probably the best wingers he's had in years. In a really long time. I agree with that, yeah. But, yeah, congratulations to Bergeron on being the new captain. Who would have thought, eh? Well-deserved. Is it just me, or was that, was that video stupid? The one with the Machon thing? Yeah, that yeah. was dumb. I didn't understand. I was like, there's no point of that. 
Like, were they actually giving Marshawn the captaincy and he's like, hey, no, I don't want the captaincy? Or were they just like a joke? No, it was a joke. Okay. Bergeron's eyebrow went up and I'm like, hey, I don't think he knew about this because I don't, I don't. Like, just give it a, like, here it is. You're the best player in a while. Here you go. Take a jersey. I don't know. Literally, the only reason he wasn't captain was because Char was there first, right? Like, before. Yeah. Well, no, they. Well, no, because uh, Bergeron got drafted before Chara was there. I think he oh. went Joe Thornton right over it. Chara, yeah. Yeah, yeah but Chara was older. More mature, yeah. Well, which is thing. fine. Um, but I didn't like the the unveiling. I think that was stupid. I think it just should have been like the leaders of the team should have been like, hey, we want to recognize our new captain and then deal it out that way. I don't think I need mm-hmm. Cam Neely or Don Sweeney calling it. But the Captain announcements are, are getting a little out of hand. I mean, you can go back to the well, Tavares one. Like, it was cute having his kid wear the jersey with yeah, the C nice. on it, but like, that—that's great. For better than this you one. don't. You don't need to. Like, you don't need to but, show see, that. but see, like that one makes a hundred percent more sense than yeah. Yes, I agree. All of a sudden, saying no, 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 no. We're joking. Yeah, this guy. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I'm just. I saying, don't like, think they're just getting out of hand more and more and more. Like, you of course, when of they course. just used to like. You didn't know who the captain was until they skated out onto the ice for the first game of the year. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> Do that, surprise people. Like, <laughs> screw it. Any, me. Anyway, he's getting back to the division, though. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think it's Philly's division to lose, yeah. um, and I think Boston and Washington will fight for that second spot. Um, it all depends how Boston does. There's lots of obviously Tukaras coming back. Is he the same Tukaras? We don't know yet. We'll see. Um, see how he starts off. Obviously, Halak being the backup is, is a, a great, great one B option, I guess you could almost call him. Um, he's a very, very high two A because he knows he's a backup. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a one A one B. He's a two A, yeah. but so, he knows he's a backup. So. And then to me, I have the Rangers fourth. Yeah. So um, I, do too, I don't. I, I, I yeah, honestly, I honestly see, I see Pittsburgh potentially missing out this year. Um, Crosby's getting up in age there too um, and we don't know if Tristan Jari is truly going to be that number one we don't know mm-hmm. he had Matt Murray as, a, as an insurance option I guess you could say now he's Casey DeSmith and Casey DeSmith isn't proven anything he's yet. a good backup he's not a great backup but he hasn't proven he's going to fight for that number one spot no he won't uh, that, that, he won't fight that, for that, that number one spot but that was the biggest thing was pushing Jari was that Matt Murray was still fighting for the number one spot and it was, it was pushing him to be better. So we'll see what happens with that. Mm. My sneaky team, I think is Buffalo. Uh, um, I, I think the addition of Taylor Hall and apparently they're giving the reins to Linus Allmark this year uh, yeah. as a, as a goaltender. So they are my sneaky team of a team that could be like the five, six type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and fighting Just miss out for, on the playoffs though. Exactly, and and potentially, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. That's a statement, but um, I think five six is probably their high end, and, and I think in, in retrospect, that's great for Buffalo. Yeah, I agree. I think I have them in that bottom two category, but I think either New Jersey or Buffalo could get hot this year. Like they have mm-hmm. the pieces; both teams have the pieces to get hot. It comes down a lot to goaltending. And who actually puts the puck in the net more? Because they have, they both have p- players that can score. It's just how much are they going to score? So either of them could get hot in a short season where you're playing the same teams over and over again. Yeah, they could figure it out. Airfoam. 
Well, yeah, I think for New Jersey's what PK Subban are they going to get? If they're going to get an electric PK Subban, this team's going to get hot very fast and stay hot for a while, right? And same thing with Buffalo. Ristolainen, if he can get it going and, you know, that big guy on the back end, Buffalo can get going. Like, we know their scoring is there for Buffalo, right? Like, they have the top talent. New Jersey, I'm not too sure about their scoring, but in terms of getting, you know, the grinders and the gritty players just pissing teams off out of that seven to eight games that you play each other, I wouldn't be surprised if the first month ends up being like Buffalo, New Jersey, and the Islanders in a top three spot and the other team's still having a hard time figuring it out. Right, yeah. For sure, yeah. But Kyle, I'm 100% with you on the Pittsburgh. Um, I actually have them finishing sixth. Like, I don't even have them sniffing the playoffs, honestly. They're just... No. There's something that's screaming... This isn't right anymore. Their defense is older. Um, their goaltending situation is a question mark. And honestly, outside of the top two lines, where are you going to get Aside from the top two players. Aside from the top two best players, there's I, really I throw, no... I throw Gensel in there as well. True. Um, I, I think <laughs> if, if Pittsburgh, like you guys are saying, is on a downward trajectory and they finish in the bottom two positions, Jeremy Rutherford does not stick around for this team. And I don't think he should have been there to make that offseason, like this offseason, because he's blown away that farm. He's blown away that draft picks. Uh, Pittsburgh really don't have much going unless they can win. Um, then they're going to be in the bottom for the next three, four years. And I don't think Crosby or, or Gino really want to stay down there for that team. So expect either a blow up or uh, a time for a different GM because I, I don't think he handled the last three years well. And I mean, Any team that trades a first-round pick for Crossberry Kapanen and a top prospect doesn't yeah. deserve to be. But that's hey, what look, Jeremy it's Kyle Ruff- from last week. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what Rutherford did with Carolina, and that, that's sort of what ended up being the end of him as well, was trading away assets for really yeah. poop. Yeah. Sorry, Kyle. You literally said that last week when I said Pittsburgh was going to be my surprise team to do bad. Go figure. No, 100%. Like to me, <laughs> like it, it, it's weird to say this, but to me, Pittsburgh right now is kind of what like the New England Patriots were last year, mm. right? They have the they have the big pieces, yeah. and they keep trying to trade and trade and trade and add and add and add to the team that they currently have. But I, and I think they've reached the point where it's like okay, we don't have any more stuff to trade. We don't have any more assets to trade. We don't have anything else to add. Yep. Where do we go from here? So. Yep. All right, boys, let's take a quick break. We will come back and finish the NHL preview with the Central and West Divisions here on Garage Door Sports. Welcome back inside the garage, and we got two more divisions to do here, boys. Let's get right into it with the Central Division, and this is the most jumbled up division out of all of them because you have teams that were in the Eastern Conference last year, teams that were in the Western Conference last year. I think you have all four, three out of four divisions from last year represented in this division this year. Like, it's kind of crazy. It's nice. But... Let's get let's get into who you think who where we see these teams and I mean kind of similar to the North Division I see two teams at the top four teams in the middle and then two teams definitely most definitely at the bottom and let's start with the two bottom teams guys Chicago Detroit do does anyone think that these teams are going to have a good season or fun we'll start with you 
No, that is all. No, they won't. I mean, we don't. No, Detroit I'm done. Pick, Detroit kind of lost out with that draft pick. I think if they had Alexis Lafreniere, they would have been a little bit higher, in my opinion. But they really didn't do anything to to solidify that team. So they're going to be at the bottom for sure. I think Chicago losing Corey Crawford, and I know he's old, but I think losing a, a goaltender is is going to be difficult on them. Um, I'm not sure if Malcolm Subban's still there, right? So I don't think yeah. he's your definite number one. And I mean, if you have a team with Jonathan Taves and, and, and Patrick Kane, like this team should be better. It's like the same question I have with Pittsburgh is you have Gino and, and, and Sid, that team should be better, but I feel bad for their stars, but Chicago will piss some teams off. Like we said, like they'll, they'll bother some teams, but they're not really gonna, they're not really gonna, uh, challenge for anything in this division listen in, in Chicago's defense this is their players that are on injured reserve at the moment Jonathan Taves Brent Seabrook Andrew Shaw Kirby Dak and Alex Nylander those are five players that are in your starting lineup if they're healthy that's a problem that's, that's a problem right there and to start the yeah. season when you're missing five guys like that that's an issue and you're right there's there is no sign of goaltending can consistency on the Blackhawks roster right now when you have Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban fighting for the number one spot. Um, Kyle, what are your thoughts on those bottom two teams? All right, let's move on. (laughs) Um, I have Tampa and Dallas at the top of this division. Uh, Do either of you have any other teams that I'm missing at the top of the division or are we all in agreement that those will be the top two? Kyle, we'll start with Uh, you. I think... Carolina. I I think Carolina is severely underrated. Uh, I have have them third as well. Um, Yeah, I I think they could honestly top Dallas because we don't know what we don't know what Kudobin's going to be like in the regular season. That's the biggest thing. He's their goaltender until God knows if Bishop Bishop comes back. Yep. So plus the plus Dallas is missing Sagan for at least half the season, if not more. Um, It's going to be a huge blow to them. Uh, so they're going to have to get scoring from somewhere. And, and that, that's the biggest problem for Dallas is they don't know how to score. Um, they know how to keep the puck out of the net. They're great defensively for sure. Yeah. They don't know how so, to score. so, so to me, I think that's where Carolina can probably take advantage potentially and finish in the number two spot. Um, because the only, the only question for them is who's going to be the goaltender. You know, Mrazek looks like the starter, but didn't have the greatest year last year. And Reimer stepped up behind him as the backup. But do they really want to give the reins to Optimus Rhyme? I, I think they're know. okay with it right now. I honestly yeah. think they're okay with giving it to Reimer. 100%. I'm just saying, I, I, I just don't know if that's the right call right now. I think Mrazic is probably your number one. That's the biggest That's the biggest thing. Don't forget so, they also have Ned Jelkovic, who they want to be their number yeah. one. Eventually, yeah. I, I don't. I think after the season, I think both Reimer and Mrazic are both up for contracts after this year. So we'll check I think that that's you. where maybe Nadell. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. So I think Nadell Kovic could step in there potentially if he truly, they do truly believe in him. So um, to me, that's the only other team I uh, I see Nashville and Columbus competing, but more for the three four spot comparatively. You mean four um, five? No, three four. You have Tampa. Carolina, Dallas. How are they competing for three, four? If you have those three teams ahead of them, well, because I could see, I could see Dallas. Oh, you see Dallas falling all the way. Okay, all right. Potentially, if if, if they can't find scoring, yeah, that that's the biggest thing. So, to me, to me, like 
obviously, I think Dallas will ultimately make it, but they have to find that that scoring. You know, is is it going to be Gurionov? Is it going to be Rupe Hints? Is it going to be Pavelski? No, I know who it's going to be. I know who it's going to be. Hold on, it's going to be um, Joel Kiviranta because he did it to Colorado in the playoffs and pissed me right off. Probably, but um, <laughs> probably, but yeah, it's it's going to be one of those ones. Like, we don't know that, that there's lots of question marks about that team, and the only the only question mark they don't have is how good that defense is. That's the only question mark they don't have. So. Yeah, they, they know that defense is solid. Uh, Irfan, do you want to add on to the top of that division there? Or um, would you I like think to talk about the middle of a, one? <laughs> uh, well, I'll quickly do the top. I think it's it's Tampa, Carolina are, are the two top there. And I think then it goes Columbus, Dallas. And then I think Florida and, and Nashville are on the same path. So they're, they'll be there. Um, and then, like we said, the bottom of Chicago and... Um, and Detroit. Like, I think I see this division splitting into four. Like you have two very good teams that um, are pretty solid all around. And then you have two other teams that are question marks. And then two other teams that I think are on a different uh, point in time in terms of their development. And then the, the, the two trashes, unfortunately. Yeah, like I, I agree with you guys that I think Carolina is an underrated team. I had them third for sure. Uh, I just, there's still the question mark about goaltending is the biggest one for me. I think Dallas's defense will carry them and sh- survive the onslaught without Tyler Sagan. So that's my opinion. I mean, I totally understand what you guys are saying. Don't get me wrong. But I, th- I think Dallas is still the number two in this division with Carolina number three. That fourth that fourth and final playoff spot will be entertaining to watch the battle for that. Because yeah. you have Columbus, you have Florida, and you have Nashville who could fight for that playoff spot. I think Nashville is the weakest out of the three of those teams, though. I think Florida and Columbus will fight more for that fourth playoff spot than Nashville will. I would argue Florida's the weakest, to be honest. I just don't know about the goaltending in Nashville anymore. And they can't, know, they can't seem to put the puck in the net Florida. either. Barkov <laughs> and Herbudo will score more than the rest of the Nashville Predators offense. That is complete cap. That I, is absolute but, cap. <laughs> but those two alone are better than any any single forward on the Nashville Predators by far. Better than Johansson? Yes. Barkov and Huberdo? Yeah. Yes, 100%. I would take Barkoff and Huberto over any forward on that Nashville Predators team every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I would I would argue Forsberg and Arvidsson are very comparable. No, I would still take Barkoff and Huberto. Yeah. Um, I, I just – I don't trust Bobrovsky is my biggest thing. No, I don't either. Um, I don't trust the goaltending in Nashville when, either. When, when, when Florida loses their, their top two wingers and replaces them with Anthony Duclair, doesn't work. Sorry. Not happening. Um, Patrick Hornquist, well out of his prime. Yeah. Um, you know, your second line is Wenberg, Hornquist, and Patrono. Doesn't scare me at all. So, um, and to be honest, you know, you, you look at their defense too. Mackenzie Weger was potentially out, but now he's back, and we'll see what happens with that. Aaron Ekblad and Yandel. Yandel's getting up there in age. We'll see how many more years he has. Ekblad's still a stud, but there's a lot of question marks. And Bobrovsky was absolutely. I'll, I'll say I'll save my comment for that. But um... I agree. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that Bobrovsky's a better goalie than the guys in Nashville. I just don't trust any of the Nashville goaltenders right now either. Rene's too old, and UC Soros cannot win the crease, no matter how hard he tries. 
So I just I don't defense is better. Yes, but they have no scoring. Yeah, but I mean, I think if you're comparing Florida versus Nashville at this point, I think Nashville only takes that bump because of having a better defensive core. For Nashville, watch for Matthew Shane to have a great year. Just saying. Okay, I have this question about Nashville. This is the one question I'm going to ask about Nashville for you guys. Mm. Johansson and Duchesne, if they cannot figure it out this year, one of them cannot figure it out this year and take the number one center role. Do they move? They have to move one of them, right? Yeah, but Johansson is gone. They're not going to get rid of Matt Duchesne. No, I'm not saying saying who. I'm just saying one of them has to go. If they cannot figure out who the number one is between those two, like neither of them takes the number one role, one of them has to go because you can't have two number two centers on the team anymore. No, for sure. Well, ask the Leafs that question. Uh-huh. Yes. The old yes. time Leafs where they had Bozak as the number one center. Bozak and Kadri? <laughs> listen. Listen. Kadri and his grit. We like that. I, yeah, he, yeah, he's working out great in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. The suspensions that cost everybody the game, not so much. He figured it out in Colorado. Yeah, because he doesn't have to be that guy. Exactly. So let's move on, boys. We have one division <laughs> left. <laughs> It is the West Division, and this division will be, yeah, (laughs) that might be the best way to put it. This division might be, top three teams will be very good. Let's not, there's no, there's no doubt about that when you have Vegas, St. Louis, and Colorado up at the top of that division. Mm -hmm. Uh, The rest of the division, I really don't know what to expect from the rest of the division. I, I think Arizona might finish fourth. Wild might finish fifth. The three California teams might finish sixth, seventh, eighth, but I could see any of them finishing fifth because the rest of them are just awful. I think Arizona's the best out of the rest, but that's not saying a whole lot at this point in time. Um, yeah. So let's focus on the top of the division because that's where that's where the entertainment will come from this division, boys. And we have Vegas, we have St. Louis, and Colorado. Irfan, who do you have winning the division out of those three? Well, I think I think it's Colorado. I've been high on them since last year. I still think they are a very good team. I think their their speed is so good in the regular season and obviously in the playoffs, but I think their speed in in in, in eight games versus one team is going to be the defining factor for sure. Um, and then I have St. Louis and Vegas. I think Vegas's biggest question mark is what happens to Marc-Andre Fleury and is that going to be a distraction moving forward? Because if it continues, then Vegas is going to struggle because they're going to have a leader who's not happy correct and then obviously st louis you know with their new captain and ryan o'reilly um they lost petra angelo but they picked up a good puck moving defenseman in tory krug they're still going to be solid so i don't see i don't see them struggling um so yeah that's my top three so you have colorado vegas and then st louis no colorado st louis and st louis and Vegas. okay uh kyle your thoughts i think it's gonna be a lot closer than people think i think it's gonna be colorado st louis at the top um i don't think i think if you ask a lot of people, the majority of people will say Colorado is going to run away to the division potentially as they are like the top team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think St. Louis is getting better. They got Tarasenko back this year again, too. Um, we'll see how he bounces back from being injured. Yeah. Then he had another shoulder surgery like a week ago, so he'll be missing like another month, but we'll see. Um, biggest question for Colorado is both goaltenders kind of struggled in the playoffs. Um, Grubauer looked good. Well, they were both hurt in like the first game that they played as a starter. <laughs> no, but, but I mean, but I mean, like he looked good, but not 
great. You had to rely on you know, when you go to Matt Hutchison or yes. Mike Hutchison. Matt. Yeah. Matthew Hutchinson. Michael Hutchinson. The Hutch. So, um, it is what it is. But St. Louis, I think, didn't get better, didn't get worse. Um, you know, losing Petrangelo, it is what it is. But I think putting Krug in there kind of just fills that spot. And I don't really think it's a huge down. It's huge downgrade, maybe a slight downgrade potentially uh, defensively at least. But um, and Vegas, the biggest thing is, is Robert Lehner for real. That's the biggest question. You know, they gave him a give him a big contract in the offseason. He had a great year last year, but he still has Flurry breathing down his neck and Flurry's seven million dollar contract. So um other than that, Arizona, in my opinion, is by far the number four team. I don't think it's gonna be close. Um I think the only team that could compete is Minnesota. But then again, do I trust Cam Talbot to be the starting goaltender for Minnesota? No, no, you Probably don't. No, you not. don't. <laughs> so um, Minnesota has some promise, you know, Kaprizov came over this year, so he's going to be uh, definitely a player to watch this season. Um, but I just don't think they, I think they're too old. I don't think they have the pieces to uh, truly compete. And then uh, obviously to me, Anaheim's probably the next closest team. Uh, and that's purely because of John Gibson. I don't yeah. trust the Sharks, you know, goaltending whatsoever, Dubnik and Jones. Don't get me started on that. I trust um, I trust Dubnik more than Jones though. That's the sad part. Oh, 100 percent. But then you know the Kings. The Kings will be a fun team to watch because they're going to be young. And they also have Quick. Young. Let's not forget, Quick is still a good goaltender. Like he might mm-hmm. steal them some games in this division. But to be honest, like the Kings probably could end up beating up, could beat up on Anaheim, could beat up on San Jose, and could rack up some wins potentially with with the younger players, but it all depends how the younger players play. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the Kings could be the surprise team in the division and finish all the way up in fifth, uh, possibly knocking Minnesota out of there. Um, I, I agree with you. I think Arizona is the best, best of the rest, and then it's like the next four teams are the next four teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Irfan, your, your thoughts on the bottom half quickly? Um, I know you guys have San Jose lower than what I would think. I think San Jose is going to have a bounce back year. Um, I think I, I might be in the minority for this, which is fine. But I think having Devin Dubnik back um, is going to take away that pressure from Martin Jones and they can look at moving Martin Jones throughout the season. But I think they'll be better. I think Carlson will have a better year. Um, don't forget, like they're still very good players on this team. Um, and, and they don't have the age that was hindering them with with a guy like Joe Thornton. And I think Patrick Marlowe on a, on a cheap 700 K deal is good for them. I think they'll have a bounce back year, but I think if LA um, has fun with these teams and just pisses them off, um, we might be talking about LA in fourth by the end of the season, just because of how exciting that team is, especially if Quinton Byfield is, is playing for this team. I think, uh, I think LA has done a good job with that. Um, Minnesota is the biggest question mark because of they've, they've sort of hit a reset button, but they haven't hit a reset button. Um, they moved their captain. They moved some pieces around. Um, so I don't know what we're going to get in Arizona. I think gave up a little bit too much in my opinion for that Taylor Hall deal. Um, and they, they, they couldn't keep them. So like, where are they getting that scoring from? And they also traded Derek Stepan, who's a good penalty killer for them. So I don't, like that's my question mark coming out of Arizona is yeah they might be the fourth best team in this division but by how far are they the best fourth division team uh, or fourth place team in that division I think um, so my biggest surprise I think San Jose is going to have a bounce back year and they're going to piss some teams off and they're going to be fun to watch but 
it's the minority on that one. Well, I just I just don't see outside of maybe the top line who's really going to be scoring goals for San Jose. Like, there's there's yeah. not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of promise on that forward group. Like, yeah, the defense is might be that's able fine. To chip in, just, uh, just have Carlson try and score thirty goals. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that'll go over well. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you guys though that Colorado probably wins the division, but I think it I think it will be very close between them and St. Louis yeah. with Vegas in third. No, it's not uh, a landslide like people say. It, it's yeah. going to be close. No, it'll be yeah. close. And then I also I wonder how long before Mark Andre Fleury gets moved to a team that needs a goaltender. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury goals... goes back to Pittsburgh. Well, no, not no, no. Mark <laughs> Mark Andre Fleury goes to the Buffalo Sabers. Yeah. No, there's a few All teams right. though. Like if you really think about it, like you you mentioned Buffalo, but like what if Washington can't figure out? Um, their goaltending situation, and they need a guy for the playoff run, right? What if they? Uh, Craig if... Anderson. Thank you for proving my point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what if, like, there's Carolina? A... Yeah, Carolina, right? There's yeah. teams, Colorado, yeah. right? I, I don't think Colorado mm-hmm. would do that, but I'm just using them as an example, right? What What if they just can't figure out a goaltending situation? For a playoff team that is very good and ready to go to the playoffs, but the goaltender is the biggest question mark. Does he does he last the season in Vegas this year? It's a simple yes or no. Kyle, we'll start with you. Yes or no? Does he last the season in Vegas this year? Yes. Yes. Okay. Irfan. No, I think he's going to get moved. I think he lasts just because of the contract, but yeah, it just, to me that's the biggest problem. To, to, like, to me, the Flurry thing, Flurry could be the goaltender that gets t- picked twice in the expansion draft. Yeah. yeah. Potentially. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is fine. Like, it's not – the sad part is, is that's not really, like, a bad thing for Flurry. Like, he is good enough to be a number one goaltender probably right now mm-hmm. on most teams. And he just happens to be behind a guy who's been a Vesna candidate for the last like three years now in, in Robin Lehner and won it two years ago. Right. Like it's just, it's just the situation. It's just how it is. And he might end up in Seattle next year, which would be very entertaining to see him be the face of another expansion franchise. Okay. That'll do it for our NHL previews boys. Um, we will. I want to get your predictions for who's going to win the cup really quick, though. Who comes out of each division in the playoffs and who wins the cup? Because I'm not really sure how they're doing the seeding after the first round. But let's let's start with you, Irfan. Give me your four division winners and then your cup winner. Sure. Uh, Toronto, Colorado, Tampa Bay, and Philadelphia. And from that, I think Tampa Bay repeats. Tampa repeats. All right, Kyle. Yeah, but ask me in two weeks. <laughs> ask me in two weeks. <laughs> well, so, so this is going to be interesting, actually, because it's going to be a Tampa-Colorado West final, potentially. That's not That's yeah. not the way it works. They're reseeding the four, the four winners of the division playoffs in the, next, in the okay. semifinals, is what I've heard. Interesting. So there's a chance that Tampa, Colorado could be one, two in the regular season and both win their division and see each other in the final because they'll just reseed. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, my same for division winners. So. And your champion? 
Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. It is. <laughs> like, it is tough because Kucherov's not there for Tampa, and I still think they're better than that, most. That's teams. that's the thing. Yeah. I, I I would like to say Tampa, but and I'm gonna hate myself for fucking saying this. Um, <laughs> Are you saying Toronto? No, because <laughs> that that would make you hate yourself. I know that. I, I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna go with Philly. Philly. Wow, Matt's gonna love you. <laughs> yeah, that's why I hate myself. <laughs> um, I have hmm, I'm gonna go with the same four division winners with Toronto, Colorado, Tampa, Philly. I think the one that I'm most questionable about is actually the Leafs and the North Division, although I think they're the best team. Like Edmonton could pip them for number one in the division. I have Colorado winning. Not by much. I like it's. It was a. It's a coin flip for me. But I've I've been doing the NHL previews on twenty minutes on ice for the past two weeks, so I've had a lot of time to think about this. It's either going to be Colorado or Tampa, in my opinion, and I'm I'm going with Colorado. So, all right, boys, we're gonna take another quick break. I know three breaks in one show. What what are we thinking? Uh, when we come back, we will do NFL Wild Card Weekend really quick because we're now over an hour. But we'll come back, do the NHL wildcard weekend or NFL wildcard weekend uh, preview right after this break. Hey everyone, this is Irfan Manju from Touchline Thoughts. We are an all soccer podcast hosted by yours truly with guests every episode. We provide news, analysis, and opinions every episode as well. Touchline Thoughts is powered by the Garage Door Sports Network, and you can listen to us on your favorite podcatcher. Cheers. Welcome back, and boys, let's get this done quick because it's already been a long show, but, you know, we have to talk about it. NFL wildcard weekend, six matchups to look at, and, I mean, some of these are going to be really fun. Let's, there's no doubt about this. Let's start with the AFC wildcard matchups, if you guys will allow me to. And... <laughs> And we have, hold on, I'm just going to pull it up because it, it, it's going to be entertaining for everybody. We have the Bills going up against the Colts. We have the Steelers going up against the Browns. And then we have the Tennessee Titans-Ravens rematch from last year. Kyle, which of these games is your most, the one you want to see the most this weekend? The one that I think the one that I think is going to be the closest is Ravens Titans. Um, I ultimately have the Titans coming out there. Um, I don't think Baltimore is going to be able to keep up with Derrick Henry, and I think the fact that Baltimore cannot throw the ball basically like ever um, kind of hurts them a little bit. So uh, Steelers Browns would have been a good matchup, but now there's the whole head coaching COVID issues and all that kind of crap. So I don't know if it's going to be as interesting a game as people think. And honestly, I think the Bills are just going to blow out the Colts. So I don't think it's going to be that good of a game. Fair enough. Irfan, your thoughts on those AFC matchups? Um, I think I think Kyle hit it on the head there with the Tennessee game and the Buffalo Bills game. Um, I'm actually looking forward to the Steelers-Browns game only because I think the Steelers 
kind of come into the the wild card game on a down a little bit just because they struggled the last five six weeks of the season so i want to see if the browns who are on a high getting into the playoffs for the first time in like over a decade are they gonna really push the steelers are they gonna be an exciting team to watch so i think that's the matchup i want to see is are we gonna see an upset or i call an upset but um who's who's the better team um i, I can't decide from the two but i want to see that one yeah i have the browns winning that game I know the COVID issues are obviously running rampant through Cleveland right now, but at the same time, I think Pittsburgh has lost a step throughout the season. They were so good at the beginning of the year. And then about midway through the year, all of a sudden they started winning by less and less. And then they started losing and they're going in one in four in their last five games. That's, that's an issue. That's, that's a question mark. And I know last week you can't really count that because they had like Mason Rudolph and all the backups um, kind of running the show, but still like, I there's just, I just have no confidence in that Steelers team and I have the Titans winning and I have the bills winning. So I'm with you guys. Lots of easiness there. Um, let's flip over. To- honest, I, I, I want the Browns to win. Okay. Because I want Juju to shut his mouth. I yeah okay let's football. let's talk about that let's talk about that that is a great point do we have time to talk about that we well, can let's do, that. do it we'll, we'll do, let's it. do I, it it's fine what is what is going on in that man's head that he thinks he needs to have a comment on every single thing when it keeps costing his team like stupid bulletin board material for the other team like the the dancing on the logos that that was a mistake and now he comes out and he's saying that he he thinks the browns are still the browns it's like stop talking you're not helping yourself I, yeah i i want them to just get absolutely blown out and have him just be like yeah i'm getting rid of social media like cuz the thing is if they if he if they win if the steelers win they play the bills what's he going to say about the bills yeah cuz you know he's going to say bills. something you know he's going to say something like you just need to stop talking when it comes to playoff time and play your game. Mm-hmm. Talk about it in-house. Say it to your teammates. I don't care. Don't say it out in public. What's the point of that? What does that accomplish? Like, really, what does it accomplish? Uh, just people hating you even more? Pretty much. Huh. And the Steelers don't need that because it's the Steelers. <laughs> people don't like them anyway, mm-hmm. other than Justin. <laughs> They don't need any more hate heading their way, right, Kyle? Of course. Very much. Mm. All right. Let's let's go over to the NFC. And again, some interesting matchups, but there's one matchup that is kind of a, a dull one when it comes to Washington Tampa. As much as I love the Washington story this year, this this is Tampa's game to lose, right? Even though they are the away team, Kyle. Oh. Hundred percent. It, it's definitely it's definitely theirs to lose. Um, winning the game, I think Tampa still does it. No, yeah. as as me looking as a better covering the spread. Uh, I don't know. What's the spread at? I, I right love now? eight points. Um, I love I love Tom and I love the playoffs, but that Washington defense is going to shut teams down. And, and they want Tom, is, <laughs> especially well, especially with Tampa Bay not having a run offense. Yeah. It's the mm-hmm. biggest question, right? It's going to be Tom's going to drop back probably 50 times and throw the ball. So it's going to be interesting in that one. And out, of, um, and out of those 50 times, Chase Young is going to be pressuring 48 or 49 of them. 
Yeah, hundred percent. If not, sweat on the other side is gonna be pressure on the other the other time. So, um, definitely gonna be interesting for sure. Um, most most interesting matchup to me is Rams Seahawks. They've they've played twice already. Um, one and one. The Rams might the Rams might not have golf. So we'll see what happens with that one. Yeah, that'll that'll be Saints Saints, yeah. Saints Bears. It's Saints game to lose is it really comes down to it it's like the bucks and the saints is really it's those two games to lose seattle rams that's a different story like it's it, i guess you could say it's seattle's to lose technically but to me it could go both ways yeah and wade our nfl analyst did a good job um putting out each team's strength and weakness in an article yesterday and he said the saints biggest weakness right now is drew Brees. And that's funny to say. Like, if you actually think about it, that's funny to say. Their biggest weakness right now is Drew Brees because he hasn't been able to throw the long ball this year. And other than that, though, like, they're pretty solid all the way through their lineup. No, no real issues. So if they can play up to their potential, they're, they're going to go probably pretty far in this playoff. Uh, Irfan, your thoughts on the NFC, man? Um, I think I picked the two teams that, We'll probably not win. Um, I, Nick and I were talking about this. I picked upsets on this side of the bracket. Just hell yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, Earth, this is off, and I'm like, that's okay because I think there's time for an upset. Um, I think Washington beats Tampa Bay, and only because we've been saying this all season, Bruce Arians has been out coached, um, for most of the season. Like he just gets out coached by really good coaches, and I think it happens again, and Washington wins by three. Um, and that's my upset. I think, like Kyle said, that defense is going to piss off um, Tom Brady, and that's that's going to happen. And Brady isn't as fast as he used to be, so uh, I think Washington picks up an upset. And then I also picked up uh, a Chicago upset over the Saints. I think if this is the year for Chicago to make a move with Trubisky, this is the year. Um, uh, if he doesn't continue to like, this is good for his development. And I think if he can win, and I think they will. Um, and I hope they will, then it's going to be good for the Bears going forward. And if they lose, I think the Bears are going to have to make a, a decision on that QB role. But maybe they won't. Maybe they will. I don't know. But um, I think this is Trubisky's year to really do something different. Um, Nick's shaking his head, and it's fine with me because I, I like picking the underdogs. And then uh, I oh, think no, the Seahawks just, win. You just said you, just said, uh, you want the Bears to win, and I, I, I have to shake my head every time someone wants to Oh, yeah, because you're a Packers. Um, yeah, they're, they're not allowed I, to win. <laughs> um and then obviously the seahawks they're a a huge proponent for russell wilson i still think that if he had a better end to the season he would have been in a higher mvp conversation um but uh, i think the seahawks are through fair enough um i have saints seahawks and uh tampa winning the three games i think you guys nailed it i'm not going to expand on that anymore so let's wrap this show up, boys. We have made it. We've survived. Let's get our final thoughts. Kyle, we will start with you. I know you're on a time crunch, so let's let's get your final thought. We'll get everyone else, and we'll get you out of here. Uh, final thought is I am happy to just play off football. Playoff football is some of the best football that can be played uh, throughout the season. Uh, a hard nose, grinding, run game, and th- that's kind of games that I love. So uh, definitely going to be on the couch for a majority of this weekend yep gotta love it gotta love nfl playoffs best time of the year for a football fan Irfan, final thought my man 
Uh, my final thoughts are always sad, apparently. I've noticed a trend <laughs> on this. But uh, Hall of Fame manager Tommy Lasorda passed away at 93, so rest in peace to him, his uh, love to him and his family and the Do- Dodgers organization. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it was a sad news seeing that uh, this week, and uh, hopefully he went peacefully. Obviously, we, we, would never, we wouldn't know about that, but hopefully he went peacefully. Um, my final thought, I'm just happy hockey's coming back. We, we got to experience some fun with the World Juniors. Now we get some NHL. Hopefully they can get this week off without too many hitches, but it already sounds like there's a couple games that are being canceled, unfortunately. A um, couple big news articles came out while we've been recording. Just want to throw these out there. Matt Barzell signed three-year 21 mil. Also, there's another one. Hold on. Let me pull it up. Oh, yeah. Kyle Schwarber has signed with the Washington yeah. Nationals. $10 million. Woo-hoo. How did he get ten million, man? Jeez, the Nationals are desperate. <laughs> it's, it's the it's the MLB. People would just just throw money. Man, I should have paid more attention him. to baseball as opposed to soccer growing up. Could have could have been making millions. Maybe, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that'll do it for us here. Make sure you check out our social media as we posted. 10 different NFL playoff brackets this week. So you can see what all of our NFL guys think is going to happen. And you can see Irfan's crazy bracket (laughs) and Jake, Jake sticking with his boy all the way to the Super Bowl championship. Figure that one out folks. (laughs) Also make sure you check out Wade's article on the strength and weakness of each NFL team heading into the playoffs. Don't forget to check out the rest of the shows on our network. This week, we welcomed a new show on the mic with Kellen Forrest for our college basketball fans because why not? He he is a great college basketball guy, and we don't I don't think we cover enough college basketball here, boys. I'm sorry. We, we got to do better with that. But if you are a college basketball fan, make sure you check out on the mic with Kellen Forrest on all your streaming networks and on YouTube. Great job by him getting that up first show. Don't forget to check out Touchline Thoughts. Don't forget to check out 20 Minutes on Ice. Don't forget to check out The Betting House. And don't forget to check out Between the Uprights. And keep an eye out. There's another show coming in the next couple weeks. We will be back next week with more sports news, possibly looking at the NFL divisional matchups and the first week of NHL. Other than that, thank you for listening. We will see you next time.